This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. We should not underestimate the financial pressures that our health system will be facing. We look at some of the margins on average. They seem to be dropping by a couple of percentage points. A big proportion of health systems that will just face negative margins very fast. That's going to be very hard to turn around. So there will be ongoing pricing pressures and conversations related to that. Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Trevor Duran. Today's episode, we're going to revisit some of the biggest themes that we're hearing from health systems today and talk about how supplier and industry partners need to adapt and reset how they're working together with health systems. SG2 does significant work with suppliers and industry partners. So we wanted to take this opportunity to really have this whole episode focused on that lens and looking at healthcare provision from the perspective of suppliers and industry partners. I have Carl Carlson and Jeff Mosier from SG2 who really lead our work in this area. Carl, I'll go to you first. The unavoidable biggest challenge right now for health systems is workforce. How can supplier partners be thoughtful about helping health systems address this ongoing challenge? Yeah, Trevor, and excited to be here. The workforce challenge has been a remarkable challenge for our health system members and customers and highly unpredictable. Historically, in all the surveys of health system executives going back 10 years, the number one concern has been financial challenges. How do we optimize our reimbursement, manage our cost? And now in the 2021 survey, for the first time, workforce is the number one priority for CEOs across the country. This is a huge challenge for health systems, one that we cannot avoid, that has all kinds of implications for operations, outcomes, and finances, and other types of performance. This is really an exciting time in many ways as well for our suppliers and industry partners because they have a lot of solutions to help with optimizing operations, whether that is more effectively performing surgeries or managing and controlling for readmission rates or reducing length of stay. It is also an interesting opportunity because the need to engage with the workforce and continue to educate them on the latest clinical pathways and guidelines will be really important moving forward. There will be a lot of folks that have been in the organization for a long time, whether it's nurses or other healthcare providers, that will be leaving the organization, taking away some of the institutional knowledge about how to best optimize care. So the need to continue to educate the new workforce will be a great opportunity for our supplier and industry partners. So I'd add to that. The education piece is huge. I was interacting with a CNO of a health system just a few weeks ago, and she told me the story how her biggest concern is she's had so much turnover that she's had to promote rapidly in the organization. The nurse that was just staffing on the floor is now into the nurse manager role. That nurse manager has moved up to director, and there hasn't been any training education on that side of things. And how to even use a supply or a product that a vendor is producing into the nursing setting. And do they have the education on even the basics of how do you use this pump? And I would bet with all the turnover, there is a tremendous risk for the health systems to have errors, to have quality implications, and to have a bigger clinical risk down the road because of the lack of maybe consistent use of the product or service or pump for that matter. Reaching out to those IDNs and helping the CNO manage through this challenge is an awesome opportunity for the suppliers. And talk about building goodwill. I'm getting chills just even thinking about it. Well said, Jeff. 
the other challenge you mentioned, the chief nursing officer, she will or he will be very busy trying to solve for the workforce challenge. This kind of a challenge as well with getting the attention and the mind share of the right executive team or VP of strategy will be a challenge that our supplier and industry partners will face. Being very smooth in all the operations from contracting to strategic partnerships and being respectful of the time and listening to the main problems that our health system members are facing will be a differentiator as well moving forward. Totally agree. Carl, you mentioned financial pressure has been and continues to be a big area of focus. How today in this environment can supplier and industry partners help health systems in that area? We should not underestimate the financial pressures that our health system will be facing. We look at some of the margins on average. They seem to be dropping by a couple of percentage points. I think the big issue is that we'll have a big proportion of health systems that will just face negative margins very fast. That's going to be very hard to turn around. So there will be ongoing pricing pressures and conversations related to that. What I'm getting excited about is to see our suppliers and industry partners really look at how can they start to actually reduce the total cost of care related to that product area that they're involved in. Whether it's reducing total cost of care for diabetes patients or chronic disease patients by addressing readmissions and avoidable admissions, whether that's actually reducing the length of stay time for some area where you have a procedural product. This movement and understanding that total cost of care will matter moving forward, especially those health systems that are involved in some form of value-based care, will be increasingly important. It's remarkable to see the number of solutions, services, and innovation that actually exist on the supplier side in terms of actually addressing total cost of care. We would love to see more of that being involved in very strategic partnerships with health systems, and we're starting to see it as well. It probably ties to, Carl, to the idea of social determinants of health, of health equity. Maybe that's not obvious, but that you've got financial issues at the organizations, at the health systems across the U.S., razor thin, if not negative margins. They're thinking about total cost of care. Well, guess what? The cost of care is completely implicated and impacted by lack of access. And patients presenting to the ED, patients being readmitted because they don't have adequate access to care out in the community. That's completely adding to the total cost of care. If you are a life sciences supplier partner to an IDM, another potentially great opportunity to talk about your solution broadly to reduce spend to reduce total utilization in the inpatient setting, the most expensive setting, to reduce ICU days, to reduce readmissions, to connect care to that diabetic patient much earlier so they don't present to the ED. Because utilization and overall cost is a challenge for these organizations. So help them think about it creatively instead of just a point solution around, well, we're going to go after efficiency in the pharmacy and cut pharmacy techs. That's a short-sighted answer. There may be opportunity there, but the bigger solution is utilization and spend and managing that overall spend across healthcare. So that's the opportunity for the suppliers. Jeff, well said. And one area that's been a big challenging area for many years is how do we ensure medication adherence or adherence to protocol post-discharge? When these patients leave the hospital or the primary care clinic, how do we ensure that they actually follow that care that they're supposed to? This is where a lot of our suppliers, maybe in particular our pharma manufacturers, have a lot of knowledge about what does it take to ensure optimal medication adherence for various population groups and what might be driving that from a social determinants of health perspective. It's not just purely related to Sometimes that's related to access in other areas. This is still a very big unmet need that's driving a lot of the inefficiency and potentially now an area that's going to be highlighted more moving forward when it comes to health equity. 
we're encouraged to see a lot of our industry partners look at this now and invest part of their budget and actually really try to address this. Why are they doing this? They know that their health systems are making health equity a top strategic priority. They know that if they can address some of those needs in that space that can improve adherence, views of their products and achieve better outcomes. Now, how are we seeing this? We see these new titles appearing in various supplier partners and members of ours, such as health equity officer, where their task is to basically come up with novel pilot programs to address specific social determinants of health factors. It's really encouraging to see that investment happening. And we're working with one pharma manufacturer that this year is intending to launch two major pilots in two therapeutic areas to really try to address the social determinants of health factors and see how that can generate a benefit from an outcomes perspective, but also from a total return on investment perspective. What are they struggling with? Where should they launch these pilots? Which markets have the biggest need? What clinical specific area should they prioritize? And who might be good willing partners in those markets that have maybe already laid the foundation for health equity improvement initiatives? Those are areas where we are excited at ST2 to be helping with because that is also some of the areas where we have been prioritizing some of our analytics tools around. So very exciting times. And I think truly we'll be able to address some of the biggest factors that's driving some of the inefficiencies in healthcare. And Carl, there's also another opportunity for outreach to possibly a different stakeholder across this system of care that's trying to solve for health equity. I sit on the board of the Colorado Health Institute, and maybe you wouldn't think of them if you're a supplier as a potential partner or point of contact, but I can tell you that they are working and there's similar organizations across the country in different states. They're working with the governor's office. They're working with other state agencies to solve for social determinants of health. They're looking at it very specifically, and they're developing those partners with the health systems. What a great opportunity to talk to that organization or organizations like them across the country to say, here's what we're thinking about this particular population of patients that need care, that are not getting the care that they should have. So connect with those local nonprofit agencies to get your foot in the door, to talk to the larger health system, to solve for that bigger issue and challenge across the state, across a geography. It's a great opportunity to expand your relationships and some goodwill ultimately into that IDN that's going to connect with those health agencies at some point if they're not already doing it. Jeff, another area that I expect suppliers and most industry partners have more kind of legacy expertise is around consumer insights. It's something that our health systems are trying hard to get better at and integrate in planning work, but they're still not there. They're still really early. How can supplier and industry partners help bridge that gap and bring that expertise to how they partner with health systems? It's so sad that we're still talking about these things here in 2022 because, and you all have seen SG2 present before at a conference, we go to this well almost every time because we're trying to get the industry to respond. And I mean industry, meaning the health systems. If you break it down, what the consumers want, I don't think it's changed all that much. The nuance around it moves around, but it's about convenient access. It's about affordability of care. It's about integrated, coordinated care. 
And it's about the feeling of a personalized experience with that provider. If those are the four things, if I'm a supplier or industry partner to the health systems, I would look at, is there anything in my portfolio that assists one of those four or all four of them? If you've got all four, then present that to the chief marketing officer, the chief strategy officer, anyone at the organization to try to get them engaged with you. There's an opportunity there just right out of the gate to say, you're not doing it well. And you don't have to be that direct, but they're not. And they admit that they're not doing it. And that's why we see other disruptors coming into this space. You see the Walmarts, you see the Amazons, you see the Iowa Health, you see One Medical. You see all these players coming into the market because they're delivering on one of those four things very well. They've got personalized experience down and they're disrupting markets. I guess the other way to think about this is if you're a supplier, you may have another point of entry, another stakeholder that you can talk to because they're moving into a market and providing healthcare services and need your products, your services to deliver that patient care. If the IDN's not moving, maybe Walmart's your new customer and make sure you've got a channel to them to talk about what you can deliver. Who better understands the consumer of healthcare products better than the supplier that actually developed that product in the first place? They've done a lot of research. They do a lot of marketing. And this is not just about getting patients on that therapy. This is also understanding patients that might have been diagnosed, but not yet treated. We have new product innovation that health system might not be fully familiar with just yet, but our supplier, our pharma manufacturers, medical device companies will understand who are the patients, how big is that patient group? And who's been treated with what diagnosis, but who has not received treatment yet. Just from a partnership perspective, this is a strategic play to grow net volume of new patients that if they're treated earlier with the latest therapy or innovation will actually lead to better outcomes over time. This consumerism insight that our supplier partners can bring to health system is very unique and novel and could be a real game changer to really grow overall kind of share of wallet and market share in various markets. That is well said, Colin. It makes me hopeful that another really challenging health system relationship, and that's the increasingly adversarial relationship between health systems and payers, maybe there's a role for suppliers and industry partners to play there. There are plenty of opportunities to partner and work more closely together and become more integrated. Can suppliers and industry partners facilitate or be part of those existing partnerships? When are we going to break down the silos across the healthcare ecosystem? When are payers, providers, and the suppliers going to start to work better together? Our vision is to move towards that state. We think we're starting to see it. When it comes to value-based care, it's been interesting. We've been monitoring this very closely. We've been hoping that there would be more risk-based type arrangements between our health system members and our suppliers. There's been pockets of examples here, but they've been mixed in terms of the outcomes. Based on the results that payers are driving outcomes-based and performance-based contexts with manufacturers, that growth seems to be happening. From 2018 to 2019, about 25% or so of health plans in 2018 had some form of payer-led outcomes-based contract with either pharma manufacturer or medical device company. That's grown to nearly 60%. That is a huge number, and that suggests that at least from a payer side to manufacturer, they're trying to solve for this. Let's tie more risk in and look at the true outcomes and pay for outcomes, not for the product. Now, what's missing here, we have yet to fully see an uptick in getting providers and health system members involved in these outcomes-based contracts. But that has to be the next step, especially as we look at some of these bigger health systems with their own health plan that are innovative and in looking at partnership with industry and with payers. 
Jeff, a key dynamic of that relationship between health systems and payers is the ongoing shift in sites of care, particularly the shift from inpatient settings to outpatient settings. How is that going to change the way suppliers and industry partners work with health systems as sites of care continue to shift to more appropriate, lower cost settings? This is a big question, and it's complicated, and it's all happening at the same time. You've got a shift that's occurring and a shuffle that's also occurring across the ambulatory settings. It's not just about the payer steering to an ASC and moving to from inpatient OR to the hospital outpatient department or from the hospital outpatient department to the ASC. That steerage is already happening, and it will continue to happen for select procedures, and that procedure list will grow. What I'd like to highlight is the complexity of what that presents to the suppliers when it's all happening at the same time. You've got the office growing, procedures in the office. You've got procedures growing in the ASC. You've got different procedures happening in the hospital outpatient department. You've got urgent care centers shifting to virtual care centers. You've got EDs transitioning. You've got care at home going on. It's every site of care across outside of the acute care setting is seeing some significant shifting in terms of procedural volumes as well as just care delivery. So if you are a supplier or industry partner, A, do you even know who to talk to? You know, who owns the ASC? Is it the physician? Is it an independent physician group? Is it a private equity firm? Is it the hospital? Who's owning the urgent care delivery system? Where I am in Denver, we've got Dispatch Health here as the headquarters. They're growing their market share and we hear their advertisements on the radio all the time. And that is delivering urgent care at home. Who are they choosing as the vendor, as a supplier, as a partner? Because that's disrupting things in terms of the nature of where that care is happening, where it was in the urgent care center physically. Now it's being physically delivered and even down to the imaging at the home. Understanding the market dynamics of what's happening wherever you are. If you're in Dallas, Texas, it's different than Golden, Colorado. And Golden, Colorado is different than Telluride. Understanding the market, understanding how quickly things are occurring and how it's changing. We could complicate this even further by saying, gee, what happens when Intermountain Health merges with SCL, which just was announced a few months ago here in our backyard? Do the stakeholders and points of contact change? Is the standardization of care being accelerated? What does that mean for you as a supplier or industry partner? So this is just a whole, and we've done some other podcasts on this topic. So please reference them because this is something that is really impactful to you as a supplier and to the industry even more broadly and to the patient. So huge change here. Well said, Jeff. And as I kind of circle back to your question, what does the licensing industry or supplier industry partner need to do about this? First of all, they need to understand what's the impact on their portfolio. We have about 20% or so of medical admissions currently to the hospital that might shift towards the home setting. If you have a product in that space, likely that will affect where that product is being utilized. It will affect the way that you need to train new staff. It always affects you think about pricing and distribution. It has all kinds of implications. These shifts will have different effects on different portfolios, but no doubt it will affect our suppliers in industry across the board. Timing is now to develop a strategy for how are you going to help our health systems manage this, not only from a strategic perspective, but also how do you optimize clinical outcomes? How do you improve operations and how do you manage the finances? 
Jeff, I'd love to hear your thoughts there from a reimbursement perspective, what we all need to pay attention to here, because the reimbursement we know in the inpatient setting is not the same as it's going to be on the outpatient setting. So this is going to have further implications from a financial perspective on our health systems. If you want to look at it just broadly, if you're the health system and you're shifting care to the ASC and you're taking about a 50% pay cut in terms of the reimbursement rates for the procedure being delivered at the ASC versus the inpatient OR. And it changes too in, from the inpatient OR to the outpatient, hospital outpatient department. But you can bet it's always lower. That's why there's steerage happening. That's why we're pushing for these things to happen to reduce cost of care and spend across the country. It's the right thing to do to deliver that care at a lower cost setting, but it has impact applications for the IDM. So they've got all kinds of strategies to backfill that shift, to try to increase their margins, and frankly, the negotiations of the products. I think you'll probably hear from them around, we were getting a bigger margin on the inpatient setting. That's where a lot of these products were being utilized. Now they're shifting outpatient. We're getting paid less. We need you to partner with us, supplier A, B, or C. We need to do this together and figure out a mechanism to manage and both win in this new world that is a lower reimbursed world for them. That's just the bottom line, Carl. You are going to be approached by the IDN that's building an ASC to say, help me, because I can't make the margin work with the current reimbursement rates. Yeah, we also have to remember that there will still be activity in the inpatient acute care setting. We talk about the overall flat growth on the inpatient side, but tertiary volumes are growing double digits. So what does this mean for some of our supplier partners? Well, you might have established very good clinical trial and real world evidence results using a defined patient cohort as acuity goes up, comorbidities go up, complications of patients go up in the acute care setting. Will your products and services still deliver the best optimal outcomes? There is a huge opportunity here, Trevor, to really provide those services you mentioned. How do you improve operational improvement, reduce length of stay, lower readmission, but also manage some of the complications and other challenges that our acute care providers will face with that rise in acuity? Jeff and Carl, thanks. We covered the big topics, and I think that because I get to write the questions. But is there something that we missed, a key theme that you've heard recently that you want to touch on quickly in closing? Well, I'm going to jump into two things. One is I think that we are seeing more traction around novel partnerships and the willingness of our industry partners to really try to help our health system members' challenges. The time is perfect for this now to really transform healthcare. We think it's exciting. What is enabling us to do this now better than before? I think there's more data, more analytics to actually overcome this challenge around trust and use the data to really inform those decisions and create real world evidence or create the right partnerships, whether that's novel financial outcomes based contracts or whether that is negotiating around the contracting. I think timing is great for some of these partnerships to happen and very excited to see what we'll explore here moving forward. I will just add one thing, Trevor, and that is there's a little bit of a wave forming that we've been picking up here at SG2. And that wave is related to supply chain and projecting out spend at an IDN. Historically, they looked at what was spent for certain products or procedures over the last three years. They extrapolated out and they forecasted inflation and they said, we're going to spend this amount on these products moving forward. 
it seems that we've been getting a number of questions, especially from some of the AMCs, where they're asking for more sophistication around it. So what's happening? Because they're recognizing the things that Carl just spoke about, especially about the tertiary volumes changing in the inpatient setting. Those come with different supply utilization and spend. The AMCs are starting to get that and then project. They want to know what's this service line's growth trajectory for three years out, utilizing some of SG2's tools to then tie that back to supply chain management and know where the gaps are, where the shortages might be, where they're vulnerable, and where they need negotiate a partnership with a supplier. So they're starting to think about this. And RN is probably five or six AMCs have come to us with these questions over the last month. This is a wave we should be paying attention to, especially if you're a supplier in industry supporting those IDNs. Carl and Jeff, great job going through a number of topics pretty quickly here. Thanks so much for sharing your perspectives with our audience. Look forward to having you back on SG2 Perspectives again soon. Thank you, Trevor. A pleasure. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us, and or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at SG2 Healthcare. And if you want to talk more about innovative healthcare strategies, you can always email me at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Finally, SG2 is a Vizient company, and there are a bunch of Vizient podcasts that you might like. You can find them at Vizient backslash podcasts. Have a great day.